Thanks for tuning in to Faith Online. Our prayer is that you are blessed by this message. Uh, we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. Um, I'm going to speak for like five, ten minutes, and then we're going to do a panel, uh, as in a people panel, not actually as in a panel. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I was just thinking, we're in, we're in February fast. We're kind of getting to the end, aren't we? One week. See, I haven't counted how many pages are left in my booklet. My wife actually reads it to me every morning when I'm in bed. And that's sweet? With a cup of tea, and she reads it to me. She said, do you want to read it? I said, no, no, you can read it. Um, but I think uh, one of the problems for in modern day society is our, our inability to listen. Um, we live in really, 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 really noisy times. So um, just uh, close your eyes, and I'm just going to give you a little demonstration of how noisy it is. So we're going to play a clip, and uh, just shut your eyes and listen. Turn it up nice and loud. Go on. Cool. So that's your average city noise. And um, uh, in the midst of that, we're meant to be able to listen to God when there's all of these other distractions going around us. Um, when I was first married, we lived uh, over in Somerton, right next to a railway line. And um, when the steel trains used to come through, the silence was broken. It was quite good if you were having a row with your wife, because it kind of gave you 30 seconds to gather your thoughts whilst the train drove past to, to come back with the next comeback. But um, <laughs> not like what argue with my wife much, but anyway. Um, but I think we live in an every, every increasing noisy environment where I think we need to be even more intentional about listening to one another and listening to God. We, we have these things in our hands called iPads and iPhones and uh, Android phones and all these other things that distract us. How many of us have had this, you know, I'm just going to have five minutes of prayer. And, and, you, and you go away and you find your quiet space and you dedicate yourself to God and you, like, you, you purify yourself and you're glowing with the holiness of of God, and then your phone goes off, and uh, it's the kids, they've lost their PE kit, or the dogs ran away, and suddenly that moment of pure list where you were going to listen to God is disturbed by a piece of technology. I think, you know, ever, we're, we're in such a crucial time uh, within our life, within society of, and humanity, where if we're not careful, we'll lose the ability to truly listen. Jesus was brought up in a time where you didn't Google what Moses said. You know, if you were having a conversation, you wouldn't say, I'm sure Moses said that. Hang on. Let me just double click on Google. And you would type in what Moses said up a mountain. You didn't have that. You had to listen to the stories that you were told. You'd, your your mum and your dad and the rabbi that you studied under would, would come and would, would tell you stories, would read the scriptures to you. And if a, you were a young Jewish boy, you were, you were um, meant to be able to internalize that. And, and when you get to 13, to be able to repeat that stuff, to have it so much of who you are. I think if I ask my son, to recruit, um, to um, repeat, or uh, off the top of his head, um, five lines of scripture, he'd probably look at me like, Dad, don't be so stupid. Um, he probably, but we could do one. 
in all fairness, Jacob can do it because in our Sunday school, we're getting our kids to memorize Bible verses. Amen. I think we need to bring that back. I, I was dis, I'm dyslexic, so I always used to hate that bit in Sunday school where you got those little cards for doing well, and they used to say, can you memorize the verse? No matter how much I practice, I can never remember it. I don't know why, but anyway, you can all go ah. But I think we we live in in an environment where we're losing the ability to listen to one another and to listen to what God is saying to us through the people that are in our world. We we get so easily distracted. I think at the fundamental core to a healthy, God-centered community is the ability to listen to God and to listen to one another. We'd rather run to technology for advice instead of the wiser people within our room. We're so blessed to live in a family of faith, of a church that has every age group of society represented here. There's, there's wisdom in this room and then there's godly wisdom that comes through the people in this room. But if we don't listen to it, we're going on our own. There's an amazing verse in uh, Luke 9.35 and Jesus is taking the disciples up a mountain and, and uh, Moses is there and all these prophets have been, you know, come uh, just stood around and uh, there's like, you know, the clouds is kind of like one of those big movie sets, you can imagine it, and they're on the top and this voice booms from heaven saying, this is my son, oh, I have chosen, listen to him. It's quite interesting that God is in a moment where God is speaking from heaven and God doesn't say, shut up and listen to me. He says, shut up and listen to Jesus. Jesus was sent into the middle of humanity to die for our sins, but also to stand in that gap as a living sacrifice, as as a vessel for us to communicate to heaven, communicate to God. Uh, I, I wonder how much that we... We strive and, and we're like, God speak, God speak, God speak. Jesus speaking to my life and the garden. Or Jesus is just saying, shut up. Stop asking and just be quiet and start listening. I know for me, most of my biggest breakthroughs in my life, have, I've been in those moments where I've come to the end of my tether. I've come to the point where I can't even pray about it anymore. I have nothing left. And God says, good, now you might be quiet. Now you might actually sit down at the end of yourself and be quiet for five minutes. Open up your heart and listen to my voice. Amen. You know, we see Jesus throughout his ministry asking questions and then listening to the response of the people. In Samaria, he meets a woman at a well in the middle of the day and he, 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 he talks and listens as much as what he talks he asks her questions about, about why she's out in the middle of the day. And, 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 and then he just listens to her response. And, and she speaks and then he comes back with prophetic insight. And then she speaks again. And he transforms her life, through, I think, more through the fact, the fact that he listens and just doesn't talk an awful lot. I think when we come to our Christianity and how we share it, sometimes we talk too much and not listen enough. We, we wade in there and we want to tell everything about everything about Jesus. And, and sometimes we just need to listen to people. I had a, 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 such a great moment when I was coaching rugby this week with one of my guys I coach rugby with. And he's not a Christian, but he, he, he came to me and 
And I just said, how's your week been? And normally the default would be I'd tell him about my week, but I chose to stop and listen to his week. And he opened up and he shared. And, and, and I, I actively listened to what he was saying and said, God, I, I, I'm praying for this guy, you know. Um, I really like him. He's a good friend. And I'd love to see him in church. I think it would answer a lot of his problems. But I just listened. And I said, God, I'm listening and I want to listen with prophetic ears. And he said something and I just asked him another question. And then he talked for another five minutes and I asked him another question and he talked for 10 minutes. It would have been so easy for me to jump in and say this and say that, but I spent probably 25 minutes listening. And all I left it with is, don't worry, I'm going to go away and pray about it for you, mate. He's like, ah, oh, thanks. Uh, you know, he, he, he texts me, he says, I'm sorry for unloading. I was like, it doesn't matter. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to unload. I'm here to pray for you. I didn't need to jump in with all this advice. You know what I mean? Just to listen. Listen made him feel he was valued. Listen showed him that there's a Christian guy in his world that's going to listen and go away and pray. It's not going to listen and then condemn and say, you should do this, you should do that. No, I'm just going to go away and pray. One day he might, you know, if he asks me for advice, I'll give him the wisdom I have. I, we've taught kids, you know. I, I've got three. He's on a start of his journey. But I share, But I listened. I think listening is such a powerful gift that God has given us, not only to listen to him, but listen to the world we live in. I, I think we live in a, with the pace of the world that we live in, and, um, you know, we talk about, you can go on these courses, 10, step to ev- 10 Steps to Evangelism. I've never been on an evangelism course, by the way, but I've heard. You know, we can go on all of these things that give us all these strategies on how to reach a broken world. But I think the biggest key that we have is to listen and ask God to prophetically speak through us as we listen. To listen there and say, God, as I listen, help something of the love of Christ to show through me. Help me listen to Jesus so that my voice, pray, my voice becomes Jesus' voice in this people's world. I think we could fill this venue, we could fill this room if people knew this was a place where they were listened to and where something supernatural spoke, where Jesus spoke through what we do. So, so my challenge is to us is, as a community in this month of February fasting is one, to spend some time listening and spend some time listening to the world that we live in. You know, we're, we're blessed in our church to have people from several different professions and different backgrounds where listening is a key to what they do. So what I thought we could do is we could get them up and we could ask them some questions. A bit different, isn't it? Well, I thought it was. So um, just have some intro music. Lounge music. So I'm going to invite Joe up. I'm going to invite Jill up. And I'm going to invite Auntie Jan up. So give him a round of applause. Cool. Grab a microphone. Can you see us? Good. Well, this is cool, isn't it? Welcome to the Mike Taylor Chack Show. <laughs> Jerry Springer. Yeah. I'm going to do carpool karaoke next. 
That would be funny, wouldn't it? Would be. So just introduce yourselves, just in case uh, the wider church family hasn't met you, or I think you all have, but just introduce yourself and tell us what you do. My name's Jill. So I'm Jill Foster, and I'm married to Rich. Um, And uh, my profession is I'm an occupational therapist, which probably... 90% 90% of people here probably have never heard of, or if they have, they don't really understand it. I think I work in occupational health. Am I? Sorry. Lots of, yeah. So, but I work, basically I work, um, my speciality, if you want to call it that, is I work with older people with mental health problems. So lots around people with dementia um, and various other, men, other functional mental health problems like depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, kind of thing. Joe? I'm Joe Marino. Um, I am currently developing a business plan for the Anaran Bevan Health Board uh, that focuses on primary care services. I also get to take care of our three kids while my wife is doing GP training. So that's a bit about me. And you, Auntie Jan? Yes, I'm Jan, Jan Masters, married to Brian Masters. I'm a retired counselling psychologist, um, and uh, my focus has been uh, families with young children, um, the emotional and mental health needs of the parents, um, because parents struggle with parenting when they've not had a model themselves, and they've got difficulties, emotional trauma in their childhoods and so that is that was what I, I did in the NHS until I retired in April excellent <laughs> so first question then so um uh, we'll, we'll, we'll start we'll start professional and we'll go spiritual cool that's a good way to do it so so, so how, how does listening form a part of your um your everyday kind of professional lives and lives um and, and how, how do you use that as a tool in what you do? Is that too vague? No. no? Well, it's, it's key to what I do. I mean, that, that, is, that is the key, um, listening and the relationship, um, which is why I'm a counselling psychologist, not a clinical psychologist. <laughs> um, it, it's not a case of doing something to people. It's a case of... Uh, traveling the journey with them and helping them to unravel um, the pain and the trauma that they've been through. Um, And the relationship reflects value, um, that they are important, Um, yeah, and increases self-worth. I would say um, I use the term active listening just because it Sometimes I think with listening, you think it as a passive activity, but I use this term kind of as active listening. I, I found that with listening, it actually creates and generates opportunity. Yeah. It also begins to highlight areas of need. And then you can, through that, listening to other people who are experiencing things or who have issues at hand or they, they have huge objectives that they're trying to achieve through listening to their own experience or their own headache, then you can create and generate opportunities and think through more strategic planning in terms of how you can meet those or what are various ideas that you can pull together so that those objectives or those challenges can then indeed be met. 
Um, I think for me, there's two bits of this that for me that one is my, what I do with my patients. So there's the buzz term at the moment, especially in dementia care, is person-centered care. So if we if I don't know anything about the person, then I can't do person-centered care. So it's it's kind of really essential that I know something about the person. That's obviously quite a challenge when you've got people who have got some cognitive impairment that can't always tell you. So I have to look at things and then it's about listening to them, but it's listening to everything about that person, what they're doing, what they're saying. They might say things that are really inappropriate to me, but... Um, and out of context, but there's always feeling behind it. So I'm always looking for someone's feeling and what they're saying. So they might tell me they want their mum, um, and they might be 90, so obviously yes. it'd be quite unusual yeah. for a 90-year-old to have a mum present. Yeah. But what I don't do is say to them, your mum's dead. I look at the feeling behind that to try and say, like, um, what what is that person trying to communicate to me? So they are, I would say, what does your mum represent? Your mum represents compassion, safety, and then I try and provide that for them. So it's quite, comp it, for me, the, my, the listening is, is so important because I wouldn't be able to do anything with my patients without it. And then the second strand of it is I work in a, um, a multidisciplinary team. And if I don't, I, th I sometimes think that us um, allied health professions, as we're called, can think quite differently. So there's a challenge in that of how do I how do I be part of a team and communicate and advocate for my patients, but actually still get on with people and be able to do something. Because if I butt heads with everybody all day, then I'm not going to get anywhere, and and I will have a very unfulfilled life, really. Um, so yeah, I, there's two parts that I've got to listen to people, like my team members, you know. Doctors, yeah. I love you, Jules. Yeah, I, I had a similar um, experience in that I would work with mum or with dad, um, and social services would be uh, seeking to remove the child, um, and so they would want me to write reports about what mum had been saying to me, um, and the whole, you know, I mean, yes everything is geared around the child and the child's safety and so it should be but I used to hear mum's heart um, and know the background and, the, and and it does, it sets you against the other professionals um, you know, in, in a different role yeah so um, so a, a place like church is um, often a place of lots and lots of different personalities so like in my rugby club we're all a certain kind of personality because we all like rugby and uh, we all like watching eight-year-olds smash each other, which is kind of crazy. But, um, but church is a different place, isn't it? Church, if church is to truly represent the whole of humanity, there's going to be different people here. And what do you think of the skills of God-given skills of listening that we can bring or we can develop within ourselves to make something like church work? To, to, like you said, make every aspect of every person in church to feel valued and feel loved, like, like God's unconditional love to us. How would you feel that we, what skills can we bring to listening to that as, as Christians and in community? I think from a really practical point of view, it, for me, it's not being 
too task orientated. So we might want to get, a, you know, get something done, but we can only go, you know, they, they say, don't they, you're only as strong as the weakest link. Um, and if, if you haven't got people with you within that, you're, gonna, you're just going to lose people. So unless we hear from where people are at, you can focus on all the tasks you want, but they're not going to, it's just not going to get done, is it? Because you, you want people on, on board. So, yeah, I think if we can listen to people rather than tasks, then that is a good thing. Um, well, I, th I think it's... We can't love other people um, if we don't love ourselves. Um, we can't love other people properly if we don't love God. Um, and so I think it is about that personal relationship and realizing that you know the the commands that Jesus gave were to love God first and then to love others as we love ourselves and so the key is to uh, fall in love with with Jesus and and get to know him and spend time with him and his love flows through you we've been singing it this morning and out to others um, and that sounds simple, but that that is the key because we are a family, um, you know. And family will do things to <laughs> upset you, um, but because you're family, you work through it, you talk about it, you, and you listen to one another. You don't um, decide that oh well, I don't like this person. I don't want that person as my son anymore. Um, well, some families do, <laughs> but we shouldn't. God's, yeah. God's model of family is what we should be. Yeah. yeah, I think as well, I mean, if I look at that question more philosophically, I would say um, I think sometimes we seek to look at things quite in a linear pattern. So from top priority to, you know, if priority one is this, then priority two, three, four, and five, all the way down to 20 is down here. Whereas I think if we look at the perhaps the the perspective of how Jesus spoke and how he related, it wasn't so much of a linear pattern. It was much more circular. And what I mean by that is that um, perhaps I come in as a person, as an individual, and I have priorities, I have preferences, I have expectations. So, so do we. So do I mean, all of us. We're all individuals. We all have expectations. We all have priorities. That's part of who we are, and that's a good thing. Um, but if those priorities and expectations don't match up and we have a linear viewpoint, then there's going to create tension and clash. And so at times it's trying to think, okay, how do I step back from that? And how do I actually seek to consider something more what I would consider to be more circular and if you look at kind of Jesus' pattern of discipleship or the way in which he related to people, or the way in which he approached, and then if you also look at the Apostle Paul and how he kind of went about and did missional endeavors, you actually see a pattern of more of a circular view. And what I mean by that is that there wasn't so much of a priority of one, two, three, four. It was more, okay, because I'm doing this, this impacts that. And so if you can think of it as a wheel. You know, everyone comes in, and we all fit in this wheel, and all our priorities fit in, and this wheel is turning, and it's pretty difficult to drive a car with a square wheel, which, you know, you have 
but a square can't be more defined, can it? And so sometimes a square could be more comfortable, whereas a circular, because it's undefined and it rotates and it spins, at times that can be a bit more uncomfortable. But with Jesus, he, he prioritizes almost everything. So everything is important. Everything is under God. So all of a sudden, I come into a community like this, or we come into the church, and we have different priorities and expectations. But ultimately, if Jesus is, and it sounds a bit cliche, Jesus is the center of it all, and it allows for that wheel to spin, then all of a sudden, perhaps maybe that tension, that perceived tension that we have because we are relational beings begins to be removed because our eyes are not so transfixed on what is or is not being met, but it's more transfixed on how am I meeting Jesus and how is he impacting my life, but also our lives. And so it becomes more about a our conversation rather than an I conversation. Go on. You got a question? Go on in. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, the, the judgment was the, as you asked the question, judge, judgment was the word that just came to my mind straight away. And I think the key in church is just not to judge one another, jump to quickly judging one another, you know, because it's really easy to get offended. There's so many different people here and you can get offended really easy and then judge someone. And I think Jesus's number one thing is just he walked in love, you know, with the tax collectors. He didn't judge them when, uh, what was his name, who climbed the tree, <laughs> you know, and, and he, he went and ate with them. And um, so I think judgment is uh, not judging one another, jumping to conclusions is, is a key in church, really. Mm. Thanks, guys. <laughs> cool. So that's very good, yeah. So, um, so, so, you know, I think that's what you said, Joe, what you said about, you know, um, seeing what we've all said, actually, about valuing people. Mm. Uh, and I think that the easiest way you can show value is sometimes not to jump in with a comment. Uh, I, I'm, I'm naturally a leader. I'm naturally very driven. I'm naturally very visionary. Uh, and the biggest thing I've done on this last 10 years of being a pastor and before is to learn to shut up. Is, uh, and also learn. And what I'm learning in this season of growth, growth as a church is, is not to jump in with my opinion. Because as leaders, we can so easily try to fix everybody's problems. But I love the fact that Jesus allowed people to fail. Um, he allowed, you know, Peter goes away and denies him three times. And then when he meets him first time, he says, this is the disciple I love. You know, there's something about the unconditional love that, that God has that also allows us as a church community to allow people here to fail. Um, not not fail to a point where it's going to long, do you know what I mean? Allow them to have the experience. I think that's a better way of putting it. A lot of my kids, you know, I allow them to have an experience because they'll learn through the experience more than me keep telling them, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do it. So, uh, so how, how, let's, let's, let's talk spiritual. How does God speak to you guys? Um, you know, one professionally and one individually, but um, I'll throw that out there. Very personal, isn't it? Yes. Um, yeah. It is spending time with Him. It is spending time in His Word. It is worshiping Him. Um, 
it is being aware that he is with us at all times and in all things, that we are not on our own, that we are here for him and his purposes, and that that is being worked out in our lives, in everything that we, we are in. So, yeah, it's, it's knowing his word. So um, when you're in a situation, if you don't know whether it's God or, or, or who it is, <laughs> Um, then if it doesn't line up with his word and what you know of him and of his character, then you know that it's mm. not of him. Mm. Um, uh, so, yeah. It's, how do you define, how do you hear God? <laughs> no, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, uh, I agree. I think a lot of to do is awareness. Yeah. And uh, also, I think, as well as practicing. <laughs> yeah. Practicing yeah. hearing God. Um, yeah. Being okay to look maybe like a bit of an idiot. Yeah. Uh, for me, you can ask Jules. Sometimes it's not that too, too hard, but um, nevertheless, no comment. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, just practicing hearing God, and um, I think what we begin to realize is that if we do approach God in a pure heart, that more often than not, we probably are hearing Him. We just yes. need the confidence a bit more in our relationship, and as that that relationship deepens, that we can then express that and express that in humility. Yes. You know, not coming up here and being, thus says the Lord, <laughs> you know, but actually coming and approaching it in humility. Yes. And if you're wrong, you're wrong. Praise the Lord. Keep going. Uh, but just practicing the presence of God, practicing hearing God. For me, that is taking time and listening and word and worship and yeah. registering the awareness of it all. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, for me, it's about, uh, I, for it's very personal for me. I know I have to be very purposeful about stuff because if, I, if I'm not purposeful about it, then it won't happen. So, for example, Monday to Friday, when I'm on my way to work, I'm in the car, I find it quite easy. But then weekends, it all goes to pot because my routine is all going to pot like everything with me. Um, if i got routine, I'd flourish. If I don't have routine, it all goes to pot. So I just think there's something about that, about we, know, we don't always like talking about... Um, developing um what's the word um like kind of the the habits of stuff you know we it becomes like you've been too religious about things but actually there are some really um practical things that you you have to do because otherwise it won't happen just like with within my relationship with my husband if i don't purposefully if we don't purposefully put time aside to spend time together our relationship will suffer and i think it's just the same with god if you don't do things purposefully it's just your relationship will suffer from god you won't hear him you won't hear. Yeah. You won't even know what his voice sounds like. In a, not like you said, Mike. It, all our our world is very noisy, and it's got noisier and get yeah. getting more noisy. Unless we know what his voice sounds like, we're not going to be able to differentiate it amongst all the noise and all the white noise that's around. That's right. So we have to learn mm-hmm. who he is, what what his voice sounds like. Otherwise, yeah. we will miss it potentially. You know. And we can only focus on our attention on one thing at a time. Um, and distraction will come in, um, especially when we're looking to hear from God. Um, you know, and the th- thing to remember is that thoughts are just thoughts, and we can think another thought. And so, if distraction comes in, it's recognizing it and bringing yourself back, pretty much like mindfulness <laughs> teaches. But yeah, I mean, the enemy will try to distract us and to stop us from hearing from God. So it is intentional. 
has to be intentional. You have to come and 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 spend that time and be purposeful. Yeah. And and I found as well on my journey, there are times in my life where I can't hear God. Yeah. Um, but then I realize vulnerability to wise men and women of God around me helps me to hear God's voice. Um, uh, independence is the one thing that takes me away from his voice. Yes. Um, and to, I ask God, you know, my, my prayer is put the right people in my world that can speak to me. Yeah. So like Jan, you've had, we've had, me and Jan have had like probably a, a two minute conversation, which has been a defining conversation where she has said something that has unlocked something in me so I could be vulnerable with her. And um, sometimes we say, oh, God, I've, I've shared it with God, but God's like, God, I've put people in your world that want to listen to you. And, and I've been vulnerable with you, and I've ended up crying. And all, do you know what I mean? But it's, it's healed me through my conversation with Jan. And, and like, you know, me and Lewis, and yeah, the, 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 the debates and the conversations that we have and the way that we thrash things out is us listening to God. The way that we sometimes clash on things because we're coming from two different points. We actually end up with a God plan because we process it together. And, and you know, me and, me and Joe have been training in the gym. You can see it's quite obvious. <laughs> Basically, we've been crawling around on the floor of the gym like two old men. Cause, um, but the moments that, you know, in between dying slowly and the conversations, you know, it's God speaking. Uh, like... The little conversations I had with Margaret, or uh, I'll ring my dad, and we'll talk, and and God will speak through my dad into my life. And I think we live in a world where we say my problems is my problems, and I keep them to myself. Well, church is a place to be vulnerable. Church is a place for us to open up our hearts, not with everybody. Look, if that's not your thing. But to find there is people in this room that God has put here because he's going to speak through them. You know, Tim. I'm so glad that man's in my life. The coffee that we have and the fried breakfast we eat and, you know, sorry, I'm, I'm getting, I didn't want to get emotional, but, yeah. Amber and the way that she's, She's got the office organized, you know. We're talking cheese when it comes to organization. <laughs> you know, it's like you know, the, the chats me and Nick have on the phone, you know. God is, I'm so blessed that God has put me here. Not just because I, because God has put me in a place where there's so many people I can be vulnerable with and can speak wisdom and life. And, 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 uh, and I want to model that as the pastor to say this is not a place where you stand on your own. This is a place where people want to listen and the voice of God will come through them. Can I add something to that? that um, so the, I think everything in, in our humanity, that when things get tough and we're feeling rubbish, we just want to be on our own, um, remove ourselves from people. and um, like We all have that, that struggle in us that makes us want to put the duvet over our heads and not come but so for me it's been really pertinent for me in my walk that I even when I don't feel like it I come and even when I don't feel like it I push through so a couple of weeks ago um I didn't want to come I didn't want to come to church 
um, things happen like that Rich and I are going through that are ongoing and um, I didn't want to come and I just felt really challenged that um, God said to me you can sit there you, you can sit there with a with a gloomy look on your face or you can push through you can push through you can reach out to people and serve so that's that's what I chose to do at that moment I I stood up, I prayed for people, and I left this place feeling encouraged, even though our oh, circumstances haven't changed. Rich is still ill. We still have our, our dramas. We still have our dreams that are really, that feel like they've been crushed. But, but I'm not crushed. He's not crushed. He's, he's, he's li- I'm living in the victory.